and fully with us right now. Just take a moment to pray for people that are suffering, people that are going through a hard season right now. Remembering the refugees, remembering people that are still affected by Sacco and Freddy, uh, or anybody that you know in your life that are suffering, just lift them up to God in prayer. Jesus, we look up to you, our King. Jesus, we look up to you, our Lord. Jesus, we look up to you, our Master, our Savior, the God who is kind and loving, full of grace. We pray, Father, that in all the hard situations, the God you will show up. We pray that you bring relief, comfort, and wisdom. We pray, Father, that you bring healing where it's needed. We pray that you bring encouragement where it's needed. We pray that you will show up in ways that only you can. So we thank and bless you, Jesus, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 7 says this. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. God, we thank you for you are the comfort that we need in the name of Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, continuing our sermon series, Construction Zone, uh, where we are encouraging each other to look up to a God who shows up in the chaos. Because you and I are, are in a way, God's construction zone, where God is building uh, something in us, is building us so that we can become more like Jesus, his son. His son. So he, he continues to repair, to restore, to break things, to burn things, um, so that at the end of it all, he can build something that he, that he desires the most in us. And sometimes that work is, 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 you know, is, is hard. Sometimes that work is not easy. To let God break certain things in you can be quite rough. But there is one thing that God uses the most uh, in our lives is that God jumps into the chaos of our lives. And he builds something that's glorious within us. And today we'll be talking about God shows up. In the chaos of grief. And at the end of this sermon, I just want us to just be a family today. Um, where we can just sit uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and just hear from each other. So at the end of this sermon, I'm just going to open up a space where you can come just for a minute. If you have something to share. Maybe your own journey with grief. Uh, your own journey with loss. That, uh, it could be something that you have found helpful for you as you're moving in that, um, or where you are, and where you are could be 
a great place or not a great place. It could be a place of, full of questions and doubt. It doesn't matter. Where you are would be more likely someone else is in that space. So I'm going to open it up at the end. If you feel like sharing, uh, go ahead uh, and share. Most of us have actually painful stories. Most of us have stories that uh, sometimes we want to just think of the event but you don't want to think of the details of the event just because maybe it's too painful. Like the more details you share, the more painful uh, it shows up. And this becomes true, more especially in the face of loss, in the face of grief, more especially loss of somebody that you love. I lost my dad in 2001. My dad uh, was suffering um, uh, from tuberculosis, TB. And this was his first time. He had uh, suffered from this disease before, got healed, and then it hit him again a few years later. And this time it took a while. It took, it took so long. And um, I, from where I come from, we come from a very patriarchal culture where the dad's family has more say than the mom's family. Um, so um, one of his family members said, oh, we need to take him out so we can watch him and observe his situation closely. And they were moving him from the city into my home village. Um, but nobody had a say, like we had to let them, uh, you know, take charge on this. So they took my dad away, uh, and time would go, and time was going, time was going. And then one day, a man came to me uh, uh, to give me the bad news that, hey, we just lost your dad. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, when? Um, what's the arrangement? Where are we going to go now so we could be a part of this funeral? He's like, oh, no, it just happened two months ago. So I heard, I heard the, the death of my dad two months after he had passed. And when he said that, I just said, okay. And that was it. That's, that, that was my response to, to, to this news. I just said, okay. Because then we didn't have cell phones, in case you're wondering why not calling. Um, we didn't have phones. So they had to either write a letter or send somebody. And it took them two months to do that. And months and months passed. In this state, uh, acting as though nothing had happened, as though nothing, uh, you know, had gone on, uh, that I, as if I didn't just lose my dad. Until one day, something triggered, and I went, I started uh, grieving his death. Very painful. Uh, and I remember these two periods, I mean, this uh, period that went on for two years, that I was in a depressed state. I can name it now. I didn't realize I was, but now I can name it. Pain is so hard. Loss is so hard. It's so painful. And the reason why it is is because uh, loss is, is compounded. You know, when you, when you lose somebody, you don't just lose the person. You lose a lot of other things around them. It's not just the loss of this person, but your hopes of doing life with them are gone. Your dreams are gone. And depending on the relationship that you had, your routines are now distracted. Your life is definitely going to look different. So I lost my dad, but I lost my mentor as well. Um, The hopes of him being a grandfather to my kids and and playing with them, lost. You didn't just lose your partner, but you lost a friend. You lost uh, a dream partner. You lost a mother to your children or or, or, or a father to your children. When loss happens, loss is very compounded. It brings other losses with it. That's why it's so, so hard. That's why it is so hard. 
And this is why we grieve, you know, when we look at the loss and realize how will I live life now? How will my life look like without them? Without them. You know, I wonder now what conversation I would have had with my dad, what relationships, what conversations, where we would go together. And one of the, when you think about grief, you're thinking about, okay, let me go through this process so that I'm done with this loss and then I move forward. You know, I need to deal with this thing, so let me face it and leave it behind. Um, but actually, we, you know, we, we don't move on from grief. We actually move forward with grief. We move forward with grief. Um, there's a guy called Toby Mack, a musician, and uh, he lost his son two years ago, 21 years old. And he wrote a song for his son. And, uh, and he says a line in the song. He says, God has him in heaven, but I have him in my heart. God has him in heaven, but I have him in my heart. That's what it means, that we move forward. We carry them in our hearts. We move forward with loss. Now, grief can be very, very chaotic. Loss can be so, so chaotic. And I just want to mention kind of like a few, um, you know, things that do happen. You know, um, chaotic situations that might rise up for people. And maybe you can relate. Maybe you might have experienced this. If you ever experience loss in your life, the first one is the chaos of anxiety. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis, in sharing his story of grief, he says, uh, Nobody ever told me that grief was like fear. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. And I, he said, I keep swallowing, like physically, I keep swallowing. He's so anxious. Some people even gnash their teeth. You can be so anxious. With this loss. So anxious about the present. How will life look like now without them? So anxious about the future. How will my future look like without them? How will I manage life without them? And that can bring a lot of chaos. So the chaos of that, of anxiety. There can also be a chaos of anger. A chaos of anger. We don't talk a lot about this, but this happens a lot. But you could be angry. Sometimes you could be angry with a person that you just lost. What were they thinking to go to that place that caused that accident? Or they should have taken their meds sooner. Why didn't they? You could be mad with the person you have lost. Sometimes you could be angry at the doctors. They should have done better. They did not do enough. They should have done better. They should have reached out to him quickly. They should have listened to us. You could be angry with the doctors. Sometimes you find yourself being angry with God. Where was God in this? Why did he not care for me? Why would he not listen to our prayers? We were praying for healing, but he never showed up. You could be angry with God. You could be angry with people around you. People just doing normal life. You know, you see other people just enjoying themselves. You don't even know them. And they seem to have a good time. And that just triggers your loss. And just makes you angry. I've had stories of people that became aggressive after loss. Because they're dealing with that anger. And sometimes you can feel like, I don't want to direct this anger to the person that, that is gone. 
So you compensate by directing to other people. That's the chaos of anger. Because you're asking why. Why? Why? There's also the chaos of guilt. Sometimes you can feel guilt because uh, somebody's gone. Maybe you're like, where did I go wrong? What else could I have done? Maybe I didn't do enough. If only I had said this soon enough. If only I had done that soon enough. If only I had gone with them. If only I was the one driving. And you can feel this guilt. Another chaos is the chaos of loss of identity. Uh, This happens a lot to those that are married or those who are married and they've lost a spouse. They can say statements like, I don't recognize myself anymore. And lastly, the chaos of loneliness, the feeling of emptiness, where you're just feeling empty, you're feeling all alone. So going through grief can be hard, and all of these things can be happening sometimes frequently in one person's life, or maybe a few of these things. But even though we know that, grief, that God might not remove the grief, even though we know that God might not stop the grief, one thing, that does, one thing that God does is that he chooses to enter into our grief. He chooses to enter into our pain. Whatever loss that you have experienced, God chooses to enter into your grief. And this is why we are being reminded in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. You know, Paul wants to highlight God's response to grief. So he starts by saying, praise be to God, the God of all comfort, the God of all comfort. You know what? This actually, first of all, tells me that the scriptures already assumes that you and I will experience grief, that you and I will grieve. The scriptures already assume that you and I will go through rough seasons and hard seasons. This is why Paul says, He is the God of all comforts. You see statements like, he'll wipe your tears in scripture. Because God knows that you and I will experience. We experience loss, we experience grief, we experience hardship in this life. And sometimes we can think that because we are children of God, that we should not experience the hard things in life. Because we think, our temptation is to think that the absence of, of God means the presence of hardship, and the presence of hardship means the, the absence of God. But that's not it. The absence of God doesn't mean, or rather, the, the presence of God doesn't mean the absence of hardship. And the presence of hardship doesn't mean that God is not present. Doesn't mean that God is not there. God is present because God is present in both, in the hardship and in the success in the failures and in the success, in the hardship and whatever you're going to call a good life. God is present in both because God never leaves. God lasts. God stays. He remains. He remains. So Paul wants us to embrace the truth that God is present. So in other words, there is like an invitation for us in here. There's an invitation for us. The invitation is for us to embrace our grief Because, number one, God chooses to enter our grief. And number two, we need to embrace our grief because God chooses to work through our grief. He chooses to work through it. 
Let's talk about God choosing to end our grief. The truth that Paul wants us to embrace is that God offers his presence in the face of grief. God offers his presence in the face of grief. Verses 3 to 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Paul says, God offers his presence to every single person that has experienced loss. And Paul calls God the God, the Father of all compassion, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. One thing that's guaranteed for you is that God will bring comfort, is that God will comfort you when you are in pain. He's going to enter and sit in your pain. And he's not doing this just out of obligation, but because he cares. He's the Father of compassion. He cares. He's concerned. He loves. He sees you. So he cares for you. He's compassionate. That's why he sits in your grief. And I must say, we have a struggle with this. The struggle that we've got is that we want to ask God to be like, hey, can you change the way you operate? You offer me comfort after I've experienced loss, but can we make it the other way around? What if I don't even experience the loss itself so that I don't have to be confident? What if you just stop this thing? What if you just stop death? What if you just stop? What if you just allow me not to experience the hardship? Why do you have to wait for me to experience the hardship and then you give me comfort? Why does it have to be that way? Now, questions like this and other questions that we ask when we go through grief and pain and suffering, they often never get answered. We often don't find God explaining himself why we're going through the pain, why we lost the person, why we experience this hardship. He never actually explained himself. And I think because, I've said this before, I think God knows that his presence with us is better than his explanation to us. His presence with us is better than his explanation to us. More especially when you are suffering and going through loss and pain. Because an explanation, an explanation is more to do with making sense of the pain. But comfort is more to do with seeing the person in the pain. An explanation is just going to be like, okay, let's make sense of what's going on. But that's not actually really comforting. Comfort says, I see you. I see your pain. Just imagine your child uh, gets burnt. Maybe they, 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 touched, they just touched uh, a hot pot and they got burnt. Three years old. And imagine you go to them and be like, okay, so let me explain to you what's going on with you. Let me tell you the science behind what you're feeling on your hand. First of all, let's explain, how many steps did you take so that you could get there? They don't need an explanation. They need comfort. When we're in pain, we don't need really, even though we ask, but we don't really need explanation. We actually need God to comfort us. So he says, praise be 
to God of all comfort. Because God provides his comfort. He says, I'm not going to explain it. But because I see you and I see that you're in pain, I will sit with you. And sometimes we can get so lost in wanting to explain people's pain that we lose the person. That we don't see the people. That we overlook the people. But praise be to God who offers us comfort when we desperately need it. He offers us comfort when we desperately need it. Comfort is going to show up differently for every single one of us. Uh, Because you and I grieve differently, you know. You and I grieve differently. The way I responded to the loss of my dad was very different to the way my brother responded to the loss of my dad. Even the people that have experienced loss in the same family will grieve differently. And this is why God is the God of all comforts. Because God will be a kind of comfort that you need him to be. For every single person, he's going to be the comfort that's needed in your life. So comfort is going to look different. And also sometimes it's not really out of the ordinary. It's often in mundane, normal day-to-day life that God comforts us. Sometimes God's comfort might be through you just seeing sunrise. And that can be God's comfort to you. Sometimes God's comfort to you can be a friend who takes you out and says, hey, let's go and have a meal together. Let's go have a cup together. Sometimes God's comfort is a friend who checks up on you. Say, hey, how are you doing today? What's going on in your life? Sometimes God's comfort is, is in a cup of tea. Just like, you know, long time I've never felt such a peace as I am feeling right now. God's comfort. Or maybe a scripture that comes to mind, God points you to this certain scripture that could be God's comfort for you. Or God's voice, maybe a certain word that comes to you which says you'll be okay. And somehow that makes sense to you. God's comfort for you. God does affirm his comfort for us. And this is going to show up in all kinds of of ways. So the invitation for us is that we embrace grief because God enters our grief. But also another invitation that we've got in this scripture is that we embrace grief because God works through it. He works through our grief. So this is the truth that Paul wants us to embrace. The truth is God chooses to make us a comfort to others as they grieve. And verses 3 to 4 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. The reason? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God offers us comfort, and then he invites us to offer the same comfort to those people that are grieving, that are around us. And through grief, God can use you to comfort other people. Through your pain, through your hardship, God can use you to comfort other people. Now, being a comforter is actually a very uncomfortable thing because that means you're going to sit with people in their chaotic situations, in their questions, when they're angry, when they're mad, you know, when they're sad, when they're depressed. Like You have to be willing to sit in that. The invitation for you is just to show up. Being a comfort is not about fixing. It's just about showing up. The invitation is for us not to fix people. But actually the invitation is for us to hold, to behold brokenness with people. 
to be heartbrokenness with people. And that is uncomfortable. When you can sit with somebody in their pain and that you sit there and you, you behold this brokenness, you see how unfair this situation is. That you sit in the questions, you're like, I cannot wrap my head around why they should have gone through this. This should never ever happen to anybody, not to this person. This situation is so unfair, so unjust. And you sit in this tension, and you sit in this thing that's uncomfortable. That's where comfort is. Even though it's uncomfortable, but God chooses to comfort others through us seeing the uncomfortable pain that they are suffering. Because the healing is not in the removal of the uncomfortable pain, but in the sitting with this person in the uncomfortable pain, sitting with them. Because the healing of the world is never dependent on us. The healing of the world is never dependent on us. So as we wait for the ultimate healing of the world, we're going to sit with people and wait together as we behold this brokenness. It's hard to hear stories that are rough. It's hard to hear. It's hard to listen. So we want to move too quickly. And the problem that I've got is when I see brokenness, guess what? I want to fix it. I want to remove it. I want to be done with it, you know? But comfort is just sitting and beholding this brokenness, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's comfort. So how do we comfort other people? couple suggestions. We comfort others as a response to the comfort we have received. So he says, hey, we have received this comfort so that we can be a comfort to other people. So Paul says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Paul says, the more hardship I'm experiencing, the more comfort I'm also experiencing. Where hardship is, Christ is also present even more. He is present with me. And you will go through grief. And you can be a comfort to other people. As God is comforting you, you can comfort other people. So this comfort is not actually coming from a place of emptiness. It's coming from a place of you receiving your own comfort from God. We comfort other people, number two, by letting others see our faithfulness in the pain. Letting others see our faithfulness in the pain. Paul says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. It is for your comfort. And Paul seems to suggest uh, two things here. He suggests that, first of all, when people see his hardship, they will be comforted by seeing his hardship. And the comfort in there is the comfort which says, I'm not the only one who is suffering. I'm not the only one who is facing this hard thing. I'm not alone in this. Oh, that person is also facing it. I am not alone in this. And then the second thing he alludes to in this is, is saying, the comfort that I receive is going to help you be comforted because you say, the hope, hope is going to be developing you, which is going to say, if I ever find myself in that state, in that situation, I will also be comforted just like he was comforted. That's what Paul is saying. That means Paul had to let people see his pain. He had to let people bring, see his pain so that they can see God's faithfulness 
in me, but also at the same time, they can see him being faithful while in the pain. Being faithful. How can we respond to this? Number one, we need to remember that embracing grief is not a lack of hope, but a way of love. Sometimes we can feel like when we embrace grief, it means we don't have hope. But that's not true at all. This is why God is the God, is the Father uh, who is of compassion and of all, of all comfort. Because grief is actually motivated by love. In grief we say, I care. That's why I mourn this loss. I love, that's why I mourn this loss. I think somebody uh, had said that the people who escape from grief are the people who feel unloved. But the people who really feel loved, they, they will not escape it. They will not run away from it. So we can embrace grief. Sadness and hope can actually coexist. Sometimes we feel like, no, you cannot have sadness and hope at the same time. Yes, you can. Because you remember the story of Jesus? Like his, friends, his friend Lazarus dies in, in John 11. And uh, he goes to be with his, uh, Lazarus' family. And he hears these hard stories. He hears the grief of Mary and Martha who was like, if you were here, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. If you were here soon enough, this wouldn't have happened. He just says, no worries, believe. I am the resurrection, I'm also alive. And they're like, yeah, we know they're going to be raised from the dead on the last day. And, and Jesus says, no, actually, it's going to happen sooner. But upon talking to Mary, the Bible tells us that Jesus wept. Jesus wept even though he knew that in the next couple of hours I'm going to rise, resurrect from the dead. He's going you know, to be jumping up and down. He's going to be with me. I'll be sitting across him on the table eating together. Even though he knew that, he still mourned the loss of Lazarus. That even though we know that things will be okay, that should not be a hindrance to our grief. That even though we know that things will be all right, even if it means in a couple of hours, things will be okay. We can sit in the moment and grieve the moment. Number two, go to God with your grief. Go to God with your grief. Because Grief can be so chaotic and bring a lot of chaos in our lives. We can find ourselves, we can find ourselves finding comfort in other things that are not God. We can find ourselves finding comfort in an affair, finding comfort in a drink, finding comfort in pornography, find comfort in other things that are unhealthy for us. But God says, I am the God of all comfort, and you can come to me. And I will offer you the comfort that you need. Because God becomes the comfort that we need. He becomes the anchor that we need in the chaos. And lastly, remember that God makes all things right in the end. Remember that God makes all things right in the end. I want to remind you, I've said this a couple times here before, is that at the core of our tears, there's a longing. At the core of our tears, there is a yearning, there is a longing, and the longing is we are longing for a better world. In your tears, you are saying, as the statement you are saying in your tears when you mourn, when you grieve, 
the statement you are saying is, I wish I was living in a better world. I wish I was living in a world where I cannot lose the people that I love. I wish I was living in a world where I can never experience suffering, loss, and pain, and hardship. I wish I was in a different world. And we know Revelation 21 affirms this, that in the end, God will fulfill our deepest longing for a better world, a world where there will be no pain, no suffering, no hardship. And he's building that world. A world where we can never lose the ones that we love. And I'm looking forward to that world. Amen.